welcome to the First and Ten Podcast. Uh, that's a hot take. That's a scorching take. Uh, I'm not afraid to be bold, though. Thriving, surviving, and watching Rutgers football. There's nothing to respect about Rutgers. You know what? It's pain, but we look good while we do it, man. Hello and welcome to the First and Ten Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Feltz, here in Indianapolis, Indiana, recording this on the afternoon of Sunday, July 5th, 2020. I believe it's our first episode of the month of July, so happy July to all of you. Hope you all had a wonderful 4th of July holiday. Hope you celebrated safely, of course, uh, for numerous reasons. But uh, today we're going to be doing another episode of First and Ten Classics. This time we're covering the 2015 Big Ten Championship game between the number four Iowa Hawkeyes and the number five Michigan State Spartans. And joining me today in Nashville, Tennessee, it's Reed Murray. Reed, what's going on? Um, I've just been kind of chilling lately. I have a, uh, I had surgery on my elbow recently, so I have not been able to do any, uh, RJM visuals work or make a lot of graphics for the first and 10, unfortunately, uh, due to the fact that I can't use my right arm. So that has been uh, a real bummer lately, but glad to be getting kind of back to normal with recording on the first and 10 once again. So, uh, just super, super happy to be here right now. Yeah. And, uh, Reed, of course, still recovering from surgery, so our output's not been quite the same, but uh, hopefully in uh, just a matter of days or weeks or however long it takes, uh, we can be providing you guys all that good content just like normal. But in the meantime, uh, we've got a show to do. We've got a game to talk about. And let's turn back the clock again, just like our last episode, to 2015. But instead of the 2014-15 season, let's start with the 2015-2016 season. Uh, and in that, that season, quite an interesting one in the Big Ten. The Iowa Hawkeyes undefeated in the regular season. Michigan State had one loss. Uh, Ohio State had one loss. There's two Michigan State, but here in the Big Ten Championship, we've got Iowa, we've got Michigan State. And these two teams, we've both got a lot to say about them, but I kind of want to start it off with, how did we get here? How did we get to Iowa and Michigan State in the Big Ten title game? Because – you know, you go back and you watch this game, I kind of don't want to bury the lead, but these teams do not look like championship contenders. I completely agree with you. And some of it, you can tell looking at the resume in hindsight, but on the day of, both these teams looked pretty good, I'd say. Because I'm just looking back at uh, Iowa's results from earlier this year. You know, they had a good road win at Iowa State, and Iowa State wasn't really all that back then, but Iowa State is always a tough team to play, especially on the road there. Very similar to Iowa in that they frequently upset teams. They got a win at ranked Wisconsin. Uh, 10 to 6. 10 to 6. So, yeah, a terrible game, just like the one against Michigan, but a win nonetheless. They had a 30 point win at Northwestern. Once again, you know, it's a good road win. Um, but they had some a few unnecessarily close games. They only beat Minnesota by five points. Um, the close game against Wisconsin, I think if you're going to be a playoff contender, even though it is Wisconsin, you got to beat him by more than that. And Maryland played him somewhat close. It was 31-15. So, I mean, they took care of business for the most part. But looking back, they definitely didn't seem like the strongest team out there. And if you look at this team, uh, 
their NFL production at this point. They they had C.J. Beathard as the quarterback, who was he was a good college quarterback, but he didn't do anything in the league. Akram Wadley at running back, who I liked him at Iowa, and I've heard good and bad things about him. And obviously George Kittle is tearing up in the NFL right now. He was on this team, but other than that, uh, not a lot of star power on this Iowa team, which usually most playoff teams produce a decent amount of NFL talent. So this team didn't look like a playoff team, at least in my eyes. So it makes sense. Hindsight is twenty twenty, but it, looking back on this, it makes sense that uh, Iowa ended up getting completely just torn apart by Stanford in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, and uh, then you look at Michigan State, who I think had a much better resume than uh, Iowa. L- looking back at it, Iowa had what two ranked wins all season. One of them was ten to six. So, I mean, Iowa's resume. Yeah, they were undefeated. Obviously, you can't not let an undefeated playoff team, undefeated Power Five team, into the playoff. Uh, but uh, they didn't really have a whole lot of impressive wins, and I think that speaks to how far the Big Ten West has come in such a short time uh, when there were so many lower programs who have kind of risen up and are uh, considered much better now. But uh, talking about Michigan State, uh, much better resume here. Uh, A lot of close calls, of course. Uh, They beat Oregon by three, number seven Oregon. They beat uh, the number 12 Michigan Wolverines in Ann Arbor, college game day in Ann Arbor. Uh, that was 27-23. to 23. That was the trouble with the snap game. I'm sure you guys are all familiar. And if you're not, Michigan last play of the game. Botch a punt. And Michigan State scores a touchdown, wins the game, walk off. Uh, Ohio State, they beat in Columbus with a backup quarterback. 17-14. to 14. That was number three, Ohio State. Uh, and then they beat Iowa in the Big Ten Championship uh, before – losing to the number two Alabama Crimson Tide, 38 to nothing in the playoff. Now, let me just get this out here real quick. I'm going to sound like a salty Ohio State fan when I say this. Are you? But, but, but are you? Because I'm going to back you up. Yeah. At, at first, I'm going to sound salty. But I'm going to say right now, as much as I look back on that Michigan game, to this day, I, that game makes me so happy. It puts such an enormous smile on my face seeing Michigan about to win the game, and then they mess up on the last play on a punt and lose the game. But Michigan won this game. They lost on the last play, but Michigan should have won this game. Michigan was the better team. You go to the Ohio oh, State I game. We're... Ohio State. Oh, yeah. I, was, I was at the stadium for this game, and I will forever hate Michigan State because of this game. Um, the weather at this game was terrible. Uh, Michigan State beat us. It was awful. And I'll say this. This Ohio State team they played was potentially the best Ohio State team ever assembled. The reason Ohio State lost this game had some something to do with the fact that it was raining and just awful weather, but also the fact that Urban Meyer, his play calling in this game was just atrocious. Ezekiel Elliott carried the ball like five or like ten times this game. It was ridiculous. He's the best running back in America in this season, and he, he, you're not feeding him the ball. It was I, I didn't understand the play calling this game, especially on a rainy day. Why are you trying to have JT Barrett pass the ball and do quarterback draws? So this game will always just haunt me. But Ohio State was the better team in this game. So that's two losses or two wins that really could have been losses, should have been losses. You look at the Oregon game. Now, this was an earned win for Michigan, but it was a three-point game, so that could have been a loss. The Purdue game, they won by only three. Could have been a loss. 
That was a terrible Purdue team. We're looking at a Michigan State team who could be seven and five. Like they could very easily just a few things go wrong for Michigan State, or really a few things don't go right because I mean massive strokes of luck in that Michigan game, and also the Ohio State game because their kicker. If you go back and watch this Big Ten championship game, you'll see their kicker kind of sucks, and he made a pretty difficult kick at Ohio State in the rain. Um, and it wasn't a super far distance kick, but the conditions were pretty bad. So it was, I mean, a lot of these Michigan State wins very well could have been losses. And, you know, again, I don't want to sit here and sound like that salty Ohio State thing, like, oh, it shouldn't have happened. But this is a Michigan State team who could easily be 7-5. and five. Yet here they are at 12-1 and one Big Ten champions going into the playoff. It's kind of a wild ride for this Michigan State team. And it's, it's kind so, of crazy how they end up in the playoff. I hate to be that guy, too, because I'm going to back you up on two things. Number one, Ohio State was the best team in the conference that year. They just happened to lose to Michigan State. Mm-hmm. There, there's not a doubt in my mind. I think that this Ohio State team in 2015 was better than the national championship team from the season before it. I uh, agree with but, you. But beyond that, this Michigan State season, I am going to sound terrible for saying this. It was so fluky. It was so fluky. It absolutely was. You're not wrong for that at all. It it just does not feel like it was not it, well. And guess what? History proves right. It was not sustainable. It was the ball just happened to bounce their way every single time it had the chance, except in the Nebraska game, which they lost by a point on the road. But other the than that, the ball wanted the Spartans to win. It felt like fate was on their side all season long. It absolutely was. I I completely agree with you on that. And uh, even this Iowa game. You know, we're going to talk about this in a second, but this game was just a horrible game of football. If you're a football fan, this was a hard one to watch, especially if you like offense. And even mm-hmm. if you're a defensive fan, this wasn't even a game where the defense just dominates. It was just sloppy offense. The defenses mm-hmm. were good. Each team had a good defense, but they were no world beaters. Don't, don't trick yourself on that. Right. They played some pretty sloppy offense, both teams, and the final score – was pretty indicative of that. It was 16 to 13, lots of field goals. But even then, it, it looks like there's going to be a, a decent amount of good plays in this game. You watch this, 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 this game. Oh, my God. So many sloppy, terrible plays. I mean, bad play calling, but worse execution. This, right. this was a difficult one to watch. And it, it's, it's, oh, it's yeah. a shame that this determined the Big Ten champion. And before I get into how much I hate this game, uh, I just want to say, one last thing about Michigan State's schedule, and I can't believe I didn't bring this up earlier. Super cool how they played a road game at Western Michigan week one. Like a road game against a MAC team when they're the number five team in the country. That is so odd, and I kind of love it. It's cool how they did it because you don't see that every day, but that yeah. is just weak. If Ohio State ever played a road game at a group of five team, I would be embarrassed. And I would be embarrassed if I was a Michigan State fan this season. Like, like, it's cool, but come nah, on. No, I would have been. You're the big team. Cool you, you host. Don't care. Small team. Don't care. It's cool. But that's because you're a Hoosiers fan. Nah, it's a nice, it's a nice gesture, too. Also, I, I'm looking at the Big Ten Championship history right now. Ever since the founding of the East and West divisions, there has never been a West Big Ten champion. Hmm. Every single team, Ohio State, Michigan State, and Penn State, are the three teams to win it in the, in the East-West era, which, granted, has only – held six championships, but the East is six for six. That's kind of wild to think about. That is crazy. And this game in and of itself, let's, let's finally get into it. Enough waffling around. Let's get into the 2015 Big Ten Championship. One of the worst atrocities on a football field I've ever seen. Oh, my God, this game is terrible. 
Like not neither team looks good at all for for anything. There there was one big play. I was counting at some point. I don't think there were five plays of twenty plus yards. I like the, the only true big play was uh, a touchdown pass from C.J. Beathard to uh, what's his name uh, Tavion Smith for eighty five yards at the end of the third quarter. That was like the one true big play all game. Everything else, it felt two or three yards, maybe the occasional seven, eight, nine, ten yard pass, but oh, it was so hard to watch. And you know, this was like this is the game that when people across the rest of America think of Big Ten football, they think of games like this, just the ugly slugfest. But this wasn't even like a true defensive like war in the trenches slugfest. This was just two terrible offenses taking a crap all over the field. This looks like if the 2019 Northwestern team played itself. Because I talked about yeah. this. And, you know, Patrick, <laughs> we were talking about the Big Ten Championship. We were watching this game together earlier about uh, Northwestern, how you think, you know, they're on the rise next year. And I was just – I saw Northwestern play in person. I saw them play on TV. And I saw the same thing every time I saw the Wildcats line up in 2019. They were just sloppy on offense, and that there were just balls that should have been caught that were dropped, just random mishaps that just should not happen in Division One college football, especially Power Five college football. And it reminded me of Vanderbilt in that they have good opportunities. Their play calling was bad, but I mean, even when they had good play calling, as rare as it was they could not execute to save their lives. And this was, I saw a lot of that Michigan state and that or Michigan state and Iowa, uh, the both of them, I think neither team really deserved to win this game. And the fact that there was a fumble three plays into the game really says all you need to know about this Michigan state, Iowa game. Oh, and it's like, not just the fumble. It's what came after the fumble. So like on the third play of the game or whatever, Iowa fumbles the ball and Michigan state recovers it. So Michigan state drives a little bit and they get into the red zone and they just run three or four Terrible plays. I think three plays where Connor Cook completely missed his receiver. Uh, that is the epitome of this game. Uh, a turnover by one team and a botched opportunity by the other. And Michigan State only got a field goal out of that. So, yeah, neither team, I, I agree with you, nobody deserved to win this game. And I know you couldn't leave either team out of the playoff because of, you know, looking at the the rest of the lineup of who were who the playoff teams. But or the contenders, I guess. You, could, you weren't going to put in a two-loss Stanford or a one-loss Ohio State over one of these teams. But, like, these teams did not look like playoff teams. And it's telling that Stanford absolutely shellacked Iowa in the Rose Bowl and Michigan State got uh, their butts handed to them on a silver platter by Alabama 38 to nothing. And I just want to get this out of the way, too. Ohio State would not have lost 38 to nothing against Alabama. In fact, they could have beaten them. They beat him the season before. And, yeah, it's it's very likely they wouldn't have lost to them, period, because this Ohio State team is an upgraded version of the 2014 team. And there were a few changes on the Alabama team, but they were a very similar team as well. And they had they got rid of Blake Sims. They had an upgrade, in my opinion, at quarterback and Jay Coker. They also didn't have Amari Cooper anymore. This, this offense was more Derrick Henry-focused. 
But, like, imagine – you want to talk about a battle of the Titans when it comes to running backs in that 2014 Sugar Bowl with Henry and Zeke. Imagine 2015 Henry and Zeke going against each other in the Cotton Bowl. That would be insane. Oh, it would be incredible football. I uh, couldn't imagine. I mean, that, that 2014 game, we've talked about it here on this show. Uh, that was the last episode of uh, First and Ten Classics. But, uh, and- yeah, that would have that would have been great and certainly would have uh, trumped – that 38 to nothing shellacking that Michigan State got from Alabama. And what you were saying about how you can't leave either of these teams out of the playoff, like you're going to have either a one loss or no loss champion. Uh, that's true. But honestly, in this playoff, this 2015 playoff, we w- we could, there was no way of knowing this before it. But in hindsight, this was just like how in the 2019 season, the three clear best teams in the country were Ohio State, Clemson, and LSU. And it didn't matter if the fourth team was Oklahoma, if it was Baylor, or if it was Vanderbilt. LSU was going to slap him silly in the Peach Bowl. It's very similar <laughs> <Vanderbilt>. to this. <laughs> yeah. It, it's pretty similar here because it didn't matter if it was Michigan State or Oklahoma or whoever. Like, nobody was going to contest either of these, uh, these two powerhouses in Clemson and Alabama. And Clemson and Alabama, unless if this it was Ohio State. Was, unless it was Ohio this, State. Yeah, if, if this playoff was – done by the four best teams ohio state is the three seed but the thing is ohio state had not proven themselves super well just the fact that they lost to the team who has the exact same record as them and is the big 10 champion so there's no way you can you can't just ignore that and be like oh well we think ohio state's better so the committee had to especially this was the second year of the playoffs so they weren't really ready to experiment with non-champions and some risky type picks like that getting in. They had to go by oh, Ohio State, book of champions. By, vir- by virtue of losing to Michigan State, Ohio State had, had blown their shot. They didn't get to play in the championship. And Ohio State really got screwed too, in my opinion. And it's not – I'm not going to complain. They, you know, they should have uh, they, they made it to this because they shouldn't have. They should have beaten Michigan State and they make the playoff. But it is unfortunate the way the situation played out where they lose one tough game to a team who ended up making the playoffs. Right. And the potentially greatest Ohio State team ever has to go to the Fiesta Bowl and slap Notre Dame around. And, I mean, it was fun to beat Notre Dame. That was a, it was a fun game to watch, but I think it would have been much more fulfilling to see Ohio State in the playoff against Alabama for that. That would have been a really cool rematch because the, that Sugar Bowl is something that Ohio State fans and really college football fans of all teams other than Alabama look back on because that was – it was the dethroning of the champion, really. It was, it was well, actually, they, Alabama wasn't the returning champion, but everyone still hated Alabama at that point. So that was a super exciting game, and it meant a lot to a lot of people. Like, imagine that, that uh, rematch. And imagine what that would mean to the SEC if Alabama won, or imagine what that would mean to the Big Ten if, if Ohio State beat them again. So that would have been a cool rematch to see. But like I said, it's just, inf- it's just unfortunate. That, and there is no way that Michigan State couldn't have played this game. Although... I think Oklahoma could have been the three seed. Looking back on it, Oklahoma's resume was – they had a good resume. Their one loss was a one-touchdown loss to Texas. And I'm pretty sure Texas was not all that that year. They were unranked during that game. But, I mean, it's still it's still the Red River shootout, Red River, Red River rivalry, whatever you want to call it. So, it can get crazy. They won a tough game whoa, on the road whoa. at Tennessee. Michigan beat- State. Let's not, let's not discount Michigan State. They still had plenty of ranked wins. I mean, yeah, they were a little fluky, but – Wins are wins, and their only loss was at a good Nebraska team by a point. Here's the thing, though. 
wins are wins except for when they're not. And the Michigan State or the Michigan win was not a win. They did not earn that game. So that's kind of an exception. I think if you have two uh, one-loss teams, I think Oklahoma's rec- or resume is better, especially they beat number four Baylor on the road by 10 points. They beat number nine Oklahoma State. They, on the road, they just smacked them 58-23. Beat TCU was number 11. They, they, they faced three ranked teams in a row, and it's really because there's no Big 12 championship at this point. Um, and because they because the playoff committee values championships and now there is a big 12 championship and they didn't have it in 2015 i think if oklahoma played probably baylor or whoever it would be in that uh that big 12 championship things would be different and and michigan state would have faced clemson in the orange bowl and we would have seen a probably better matchup in oklahoma alabama i think alabama still would have won somewhat handily but um <clears throat> oklahoma i think was better than michigan state i think if, if i had a ranked team from this season it would be Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Stanford. Then either yeah, Stanford, then Michigan State. Yeah, Stanford, then probably Michigan State, and then maybe you throw Iowa in there. Iowa could honestly be better than Michigan State because Iowa played a bad game, but like so did Michigan State. <laughs> they both did. Like they both outplayed each other. Like we said, neither team deserved to win this game. They were tr- they both, both kind of outplayed. trying to hand it away. They they did. Neither and, team wanted to score a touchdown, it felt like. And just to go back to that first drive of Michigan State's, if you thought that Ohio State's drives in the Fiesta Bowl against Clemson where they didn't score those those uh those two times or those three times, I forget what it was. This is so much worse. They had the ball at like the one yard line and Connor Cook he just threw inaccurate passes for no real reason. He kinda he just made bad decisions on his passes it, and the passes it, were inaccurate. It was just Every single important throw Connor Cook had to make this game was five yards above his receiver's head. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why going into this game, I was thinking, you know, Connor Cook, I would call him a very good Big Ten quarterback. He's nothing special for the NFL. But watching this game, like, he's average. He's good at best. He was not what I thought he was. Like, maybe it was just in my memory I thought he was better. But just you watch this game. And I know, like, you know, you can have an off game or whatever, but he consistently wasn't this world beater of a quarterback. And he went, he completed fifty percent of his passes, threw for zero touchdowns and one interception against Iowa in two thousand fifteen. That's telling to me. Right, and Iowa did have a great defense this season. So did Michigan State, but this wasn't like a defensive battle. This was just a poor offensive battle. Absolutely. The defenses were good. They were nothing better than good. They were not great or elite or whatever. They were good. I thought they were great. I think looking at their full bodies of work. I I wouldn't go there. I mean, they're good. In Iowa, obviously, Iowa's known for having a good defense year in, year out. But I don't think the reason Michigan State didn't score points was because Iowa stopped them enough. And I think the same thing, vice versa. I don't think the reason Iowa didn't score was because Michigan State was doing a tremendous job. I think it was both teams botched it on offense. Yeah, and looking at this Connor Cook stat line again, 16 of 32 for 191 yards and a pick. I mean, Beathard wasn't, like, great or good really either, but his stat line looks a a little bit better than Cook's. He went 18 of 26, 216 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. And that pick Beathard threw, what a fluky play. Number one, George Kittle, my man, what are you doing? He absolutely drops this pass in the end zone. It would have been six points. That's a touchdown. That swings the game. That would have won the game. If George Kittle catches that pass, Iowa wins the game. Iowa goes to the playoffs. 
but he drops the pass. The ball bounces around in the end zone. It goes off of the shoulder pad of a Michigan State player, and then Cox picks it off for Michigan State. What, what an odd, odd play. And this play is – That really – can I say that this play is a microcosm of Michigan State's entire season? I was just about it to say the exact so same weird, thing. so weird, so fluky. It was unearned. The ball happened to land right on – uh, their defensive player's shoulder pads and just out of the, the DB hands to pick it up, like the best tight ends, uh, one of the best tight ends. <laughs> they did not earn that pick. Like it, it was the. No. They were so lucky that the ball happened to land on their own guy's shoulder pads. A perfect microcosm of Michigan State's 2015 season. I mean, whoever Mark D'Antonio must have had a, a really good relationship with the football gods going into this season because. Everything that could have gone Michigan State's way, absolutely except did. Except the Nebraska game. Except for the except Nebraska game. But even then, they didn't That's even it. lose atrociously. It like, they lost a, by a one point. point. It wasn't even point. a bad loss. No, a road game by a point against a good team. But uh, th- this this whole season for Michigan State, so lucky in this play. I got to say, though, kind of skillful on that guy for, for still managing to get it's it. Good it was a hard yeah. interception to make. Hard interception to make, really good awareness, uh, good point there, but still super fluky. Like, that's a one-in-a-million play. And it felt like Michigan State just had so many one-in-a-million opportunities that just so happened to go their way that season. I completely agree with you on that. And, I mean, in the first quarter, Connor Cook threw his one interception of the game. This was a very good example of why I don't like Connor Cook as a quarterback because – he was feeling the pressure. Instead of throwing it away or scrambling or making a good decision, he just blindly threw a super weak pass that hit his own lineman in the back and was deflected and caught by an, by an Iowa defense player. And this was just like the Michigan State interception. It was really unearned. It was a stroke of luck for Iowa. But, like, it was just such a terrible decision of Cook to even attempt that pass. He should have either taken the sack, tried to throw it away, or done literally anything else. But to just, like toss it up into a pile of bodies and see what happens. Terrible. Piss poor is what it was. Yeah. Yeah. B- bad decision-making. And that, that really was uh, kind of the story of the game. It was which team could make less mistakes and Iowa just happened to make more mistakes, whether it be the fumble, uh, that interception that dropped by George Kittle on uh, Michigan state had their fair share of mistakes and I've... too, but. But Iowa, Iowa I've really been talking did. about how the defenses weren't great this game, but I do want to shout out the Michigan State secondary. They did a good job of breaking up passes and also just whenever a short pass was completed, they immediately got to the ball and shut it down. The defensive backs at Michigan State did do a good job, and I got to give them props for that. But Yeah, well, there was a lot of NFL talent uh, in those defensive backs. Uh, Trey Waynes, Kari Willis, guys like that. But, I mean, so – I know my pick for this. I want to know who is your player of the game for this Big Ten championship. You know, that's kind of tough. Uh, I guess the – I mean, I think the guy who had the best performance would be Tavon Smith uh, from Iowa, 110 yards, touchdown. He made that 85-yard touchdown catch, the only big play of the entire game. But he lost, so I can't give him, like, player of the game. So – I don't want to give it to LJ Scott because he only ran for like three, three and a third yards per carry, but he did have the game winning touchdown with 27 seconds left. LJ Scott punched it in from the one yard line. 
uh, to give Michigan State the lead for good. So, yeah, I'll give it to L.J. Scott by virtue of that. Okay. Um, and he did. And it's not just to say that was the only play he made. Like I mean, yeah, his, his stat line doesn't look very impressive. 73 yards on 22 carries isn't great. But he did make a couple plays there where he fought for really tough first downs and short yardage because the Iowa defensive line and the linebackers did a pretty good job of swarming on the run. And I'll say this about LJ Scott. He was the king of making short runs look super hard. Like he could make a three yard run out of something that just took so much. He could use all the energy in the world and make all these crazy cuts and get three yards. Yeah. But we got the first down. He got the first down though. And that happened a couple of times. And he even did that on that final touchdown play to win the mm-hmm. game. So my player of the game, uh, his stats this game weren't anything spectacular, but I got to give him player of the game just because a lot of it is just by default because there was a lack of production from anybody else. But I'm going to give it to Aaron Burnbridge, or not Burnbridge, Burbridge. Uh, yeah, the Michigan State wide too. receiver. Um, if you'll notice, it's number 16 in white this game. He is he's Connor Cook's favorite target this game. And Connor Cook just threw so many terrible passes. And the fact that he was either, over the fact head. that he was able over to make a lot head. of these catches or even come close to making some of these catches was just impressive to me because Connor Cook this was one of the worst performances of his career, I think. And I mean Except for the game after. Yeah, that's true. Burbridge he did come up and I mean he he had some drops this game. He didn't make every catch, but I mean, there were a lot of plays with, like, how would you expect anybody to catch that ball? And he rolled with the punches. He he made some plays. He got five receptions for 61 yards. That's decent. But just the, the, the pure lack of accuracy from Cook and the fact that he was able to still pick up 12 yards per catch, is, that says something to me. So I got to give him player of the game. And, I mean, my other player of the game goes to – each team's punters, specifically Iowa's punter, because I think he did a better job than Michigan State's punter. But either way, like mm-hmm. this was just a punt fest. This is a punt fest, a turnover fest, and a just bad decision, bad execution fest. I want to talk about Burbridge a little bit more in Connor Cook, but uh, Burbridge, he tried his damn hardest, man. He was getting nothing to work with. Uh, there were so many passes. Like I said, over his head. Uh, five yards above his head, it felt like half the passes were, especially on, like, third downs. And I remember we I was watching this game. Uh, I was talking on the phone with you during it. We were watching it at the same time. There was one play. I think it was a third down play. or Well, it was a second down play. went over his head. Third down, the ball was about two yards out of bounds, and Berber just trying his best to get it. And we're just like, what the hell is this throw? How is that catchable? Why, why is he throwing to him? Why would you even consider making that pass? What? person on this earth can make some of these catches it's either going to be an incompletion or an interception exactly defenders gonna step in front of it so so connor cook just made so many poor decisions this game and connor cook is the new shape patterson you know, of the show he, he's the quarterback from the big 10 who we just hate from the state of michigan from the state of michigan yeah uh, he he just he just didn't do anything for me this game it was it was frankly like an eye-opening game because, uh, you know, I'd always kind of thought highly of Connor Cook. I was like, yeah, he was a pretty good quarterback. He brought Michigan State to the playoff. But, you know, going back and looking at it with a, a more critical eye, yeah, not not all that good. And I know he, he had his moments. He had he had better games, not just this season, but in other years too. But 
this game really, really exposed his flaws. And I can guarantee you that Nick Saban saw this and said, this is what our game plan is going to be. And he executed it perfectly yeah. because he's Saban. And talk about the other quarterback, C.J. Beathard, a Nashvilleian, the Iowa quarterback. He was just extremely average this game. And that's all there really is to say. And I'm only bringing this up just because I feel like we have to uh, at least mention the at least some offensive play of the losing team, Iowa. This Iowa offense just looked like exactly what you'd expect from Iowa. And the only reason I'm not ripping into them as hard as I am to Michigan State, because they made just as many critical errors as Michigan State did, is just because I don't expect as much. Iowa is known for being the team who plays good defense and mediocre offense. But I expected more from Michigan State. They were supposed to be, you know, this this team. They got multiple ranked wins. Uh, they got a decent program tradition, at least in the past few years. They've won the Big Ten Championship before. I expected a hell of a lot more from the Spartans than I saw. So, Average performance from Iowa. Um, not much more to say there. Yeah, and you know, with, with C.J. Beathard's performance in this game, he was pretty middle of the road. And, you know, you look at his stats and 216 yards, touchdown and a pick, yeah, that's pretty middle of the road. But then you take away that one 85-yard touchdown pass, which, you know, giving the context of the rest of the game was kind of a fluke. I mean, the, the safety is just kind of, lost track of the receiver, and, and the defense broke down. Uh, I was kind of a broken If you try play, enough deep passes, eventually you hit one. Eventually, yeah. If you eventually the coverage is going to fail Stuff at a wall. So, something's going to stick eventually. But, yeah, so you take away that play, that's 131 yards, zero touchdowns, and a pick. And that's bad. So maybe the stats of extra 85 yards and a touchdown, that one single play kind of ups our opinion by – Two levels, maybe. But again, that's what I expect uh, from an Iowa quarterback. Yeah. I don't expect an I like Nate Stanley. Like, I don't expect anything from him. I don't, when I look at an Iowa quarterback, I'm like, yeah, I don't really expect you to perform that well. But I had higher expectations yeah. for Connor Cook. And you have you should have higher expectations for Beathard because I think he was he was better than that for oh yeah he, a he lot of games than, during the season. And you should game. have higher expectations for a quarterback who will be in the college football playoff or who has aspirations to be in the college football playoff because. Well, you just should. It's the playoff. Yeah, but to be fair, at this point, I wasn't really expecting Iowa to win this game anyway. Like, they were undefeated, but I wasn't a believer. I was like, I said it'd be super cool if they did make it. And because there were those playoff commercials about Iowa undefeated, like the Alabama fan who was – or maybe it wasn't a commercial. Maybe it was just a video. It was a YouTube was video. YouTube Talk video. to your kids about an undefeated Iowa. Yeah. That's still a classic. And I would have loved to see an Iowa in the playoff and Bama out of it, but – like, at the end of the day, if I really looked at it, I'm like, really, number four, Iowa, number five, Michigan State, this doesn't look right. So, yeah. And I'm, I'm I mean, also this, curious. This was, so, a play, this was a playing game for the playoff, I think. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, at this point in the season, Oklahoma was number three in the nation because these were the four and five teams. I'm assuming Alabama and Clemson were number one and two. I'll have to look at this again to make sure I'm not just pulling this out of my ass. But Oklahoma would be the number three team. How did the college football playoff committee – watch this game and say, yeah, they're actually the number three team. They're going to surpass Oklahoma with this performance. Beats me. And uh, I've got no clue. Maybe they just value winning a conference championship that highly or I whatever. I guess they must. That's a load of crap. But That is stupid. Uh, so I'm look, I was even looking at like the ESPN uh, box score for this game, and it's like Michigan State shows true grit with last-second win over oh, Iowa. don't give me that. Come no. On. No. Michigan State – craps the bed and same thing with Iowa and Michigan state just so happens to play slightly less bad. Exactly. 
That's a very accurate sure. description. Of this I'm game. not even sure Michigan State played less bad. I just think Michigan State got lucky at the end. They did. Happened to string together. They strung together one touchdown uh, in the final 30 seconds of the game. And think about this, dude. There were multiple missed field goals for Michigan State due right. to the fact that, that Connor Cook, they were in decent field goal position and he just allowed himself to like he could have he was out of the pocket he could have he could have thrown the ball well, away yeah. well and he just allowed himself to get 50, sacked and lose they missed yards. a 52 yarder they missed a 52 yarder at the end of the that second. easily should have been a 42 uh, yard field goal but connor cook that, lost that yardage well it should have been well i think and some of that they lost about five yards they lost five yards on a trick play and a sack i think yeah or about five yards i think but that that's suddenly that's a much easier kick that's under 50 yards the percentages on that are way better than ones from 52 Exactly, and it wasn't like an egregious miss either. He could have probably made it from that distance. I agree, but and there's also the mental aspect of that. Even just beyond, it's five yards shorter. Like hearing forty-seven sounds like a way easier kick than fifty-two. I completely agree with you on that. It is, I mean, because yeah, it, it is. It's a small difference between the two numbers, but just the the gap in it being a number that begins with four and not five, like that must mess with the kicker's head. Right, and I'd be interested to to kind of hear that from a kicker's perspective. I do. We need to get a kicker on the show at some point because I've never really actually spoken to a kicker. That would be I a agree. really interesting perspective to hear. Let's work on that. We should go hit up some kicker recruit. I wonder, like, if kicker recruiting is like as big, if if you can find as many recruits. Because I'm it's thinking, like, some kickers certainly not a not a big deal for Alabama. <laughs> yeah, but I'm thinking there's got to be some <laughs> recruits who are. Some some kickers who are walk ons or something. I can't imagine you're giving too many scholarships right. to kickers and punters unless they're just the, the yeah. next next huge thing in the world of kicking footballs. The next Adam Vinatieri or Pat McAfee. Exactly. Look at you patting the Colts on the back. Who would have thought? I mean, but that's go the listen best to the Naptown Rundown. The last ten years. Go Colts. Listen to the Naptown Rundown. My new Colts and Pacers podcast. Go Colts, indeed. But we don't clip me saying go Colts because I actually do hate the Colts. I don't want that to be used against me. I regret saying that. I was just thinking about that. I was just thinking about that. But, uh, I mean, Pat McAfee's the best punter the last 10 years. and He's like the best best personality in football in the last ever. That that too. Yeah. Um, I got to say, I found McAfee annoying at first. But ever since he started getting on game day, and I saw him in Columbus and in, in, uh, in Minneapolis too when game day was there, he just seemed super fun, and it's just a whole new angle to college game day. And the fact that Lee Corso, as much as I love Lee Corso, he's kind of losing it, and I, and he's not going to be with game day for very much longer. So to introduce some young energy into the show like that with Pat McAfee is really cool for game day, and I really appreciate them doing that. So I'm, I'm, I've become a big McAfee guy as of late. All right, so uh, let's kind of get it back on track, but – Let's keep it tangential to that, actually. Uh, college game day was at this game. I remember watching uh, game day that, that morning. I was I got, I got, was at a restaurant with my grandma and my sister here in Indianapolis. And game day, yeah, I was in Indianapolis. I think that's probably the only time they've ever had football game day uh, here in the city of Indianapolis. But uh, they had it at Pan Am Plaza, so you could see uh, Lucas Oil Stadium peeking over the background. I remember the set perfectly, but... That's interesting, and I'd love to see uh, game day back in Indianapolis for uh, the Big Ten Championship again. I agree. That, that'd be a really nice sight to see. And I, Where was it this year? Was it in Atlanta? 
Uh, yeah, I think so. Because it would make sense. Pretty the sure. last two years has been good SEC championships, but last year the Big Ten championship was a good one. And I, although I guess it would make sense for them not to go because the fact that Ohio State slapped Wisconsin around previously. Once, yeah. Um, you know, and I although I, I do like the SEC championship, it's typically a very good game uh, between two high-ranked opponents. It is nice to see game day at, uh, at Lucas Oil. And was it there for the Ohio State-Wisconsin game? I don't remember. I feel like it was, but I, I, I don't know if I'm making that up. Which Ohio State was Wisconsin? Oh, I, I'm so I'm sorry because there's there has been three of those. The 2014 one uh, where Ohio State went to the playoff. I don't remember. Okay. Yeah, I remember it was there for the Michigan State Ohio State game, and it was there for this Michigan State Iowa game. I believe it was also there for Penn State Wisconsin, which we should do an episode of that one too because that was a that's another very it was in Indianapolis. Breakdown. Wait, which? So yeah, I don't I don't remember any of those, but if they had it or not. But I remember it pretty vividly for this one uh, for some reason. Uh, yeah, we should talk about Penn State, Wisconsin sometime. Let us know uh, to the fans if you guys want to hear that ever. But, uh, Reed, what else do you want to talk about with, in regards to this game? Honestly, I've kind of, I've griped about Michigan State enough. I think I've covered all my points, to be honest. I got all my whining about about how atrocious this game was out of my system. Yeah, so unless you got uh, something else to bring up uh, – I, I kind of want to just, just kind of th- think about this. Has there ever been a worse conference championship game than this? Yes. I mean, this Every pretty ACC terrible. championship game from the past two years or three uh, years. Like, when yeah, they played Pitt. But at least, they Pitt. at least when Clemson played Pitt. I guess you can just say they and everybody knows Clemson. Because it's the ACC title. But Here's a worse conference championship game. The Pac-12 championship between... Washington and Utah. I believe that was in 2018. That game was awful because there were no fans there. It was a low-scoring game. It was like this game, but this it was is on a, a great Friday point. Night no you're, you're making good points. Yeah, this game was bad, but it wasn't the worst ever. But uh, I kind of want to talk about the fans of this game, too. Uh, both teams traveled really well. It was an actual neutral side game for a Big Ten championship. Can you believe that? Because, I mean, the last couple Ohio State games, Ohio State-Wisconsin, Ohio State-Northwestern, and all the other Ohio State-Wisconsin's, they have just been Ohio State home games. So this one was like a true neutral game. Michigan State fans traveled well. So did Iowa fans. And Iowa did like black sections and gold sections, which I thought was cool. I think that's really cool. The fact that you can do that in a neutral site stadium, it, 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 brings, it brings some character and some life into the game, which wouldn't have been there previously just because the game itself kind of sucked. So it's, it's good to have some – I don't even know how to describe what that is, but just some good visuals – from the crowd, it's nice to have some personality from the fans. And Iowa mm. fans, they're they're a good group, from what I've heard. I've heard they're they're a nice group of fans, but they do travel well. Uh, or I, I don't even know. If, I wouldn't even say they travel well. They traveled well to this game, though. Uh, I think they're pretty loyal fans. It's hard to put up with Iowa football when they go seven and five and upset one team every year. So I applaud Iowa fans. So uh, especially in this game, they did a good job. All right, uh, last bit I kind of want to touch on. We we said Michigan State is the flukiest playoff team of all time. Are they the worst playoff team of all time? Yes, though? I agree. And I'm sorry, Michigan State fans. Like I know you would think we're doing an episode on a game Michigan State won and uh, you know made it to the college football playoff, which that's quite a feat. It's really impressive. Not a lot of coaches, not a lot of teams have even made it to the college football playoffs. So that's impressive for D'Antonio and for MSU that they did it. But you know, we're all we've pretty much spent the whole episode just saying like. 
Yeah, this Michigan State team was not playoff material. Now, don't get it twisted, though. As much as I love Ohio State, the 2016 they Ohio State it. team was bad for a playoff team. They were a very bad playoff team, but I think yeah, they would have beat Michigan State. Because, I mean, they, they had Curtis Samuel. Curtis Samuel alone would would score a bunch of points on this Michigan State team. And, I mean, the defense, they still had they still had Malik Hooker. They still had Marshawn Lattimore. Still had Jerome Baker and Jalen Holmes. Like, so I wouldn't call that Ohio State the worst one ever. I think the Washington team, the four seed that year, was. I've heard people say they suck and all that, and like they did lose to Alabama, but they actually played Alabama well. That Washington team was good, and the Jalen Hurts and Ceedee Lamb Oklahoma team from last, last season they took the worst beating in playoff history. But do not get it twisted. LSU is also the best team in playoff history, and that Oklahoma team right. would beat this Michigan State team by about. I want to say 10 to 14 points. Oh, it would be – I think they'd beat him by more than that. I think they would I think 10 is the minimum. By 21. I would have said about 21 points at least, but – Just imagine, though, we're talking uh, about these hypotheticals. Imagine Iowa goes to the playoff, what Alabama would do to them. Oh, that would, they would take him to the woodshed. But imagine Ohio State goes to the playoff. And they, they would have hung with Alabama. That's, that's the infuriating part about this is that it didn't have to be like this. It didn't have to. It would have been and such a And if Ohio State – if Ohio State could have just hung on against Michigan State and not not blew it, hold it for that a while. game will forever be one of my least favorite Ohio State games. It is probably currently my my least favorite because I've only been alive for one Michigan loss, and that game was just our like worst year in recent memory where we went. And I mean to say that a, a, your worst year ever, you still went bowling is sounds pretty spoiled of a fan. And I know Ohio State has had worse seasons, but that was just a bad it's year. Me, the Indiana fan. Yeah. That was just a bad year in general, so I don't care about the Indiana one like Michigan two State. games that season. That Michigan State game is awful. And I will just never get over how angry that game makes me. It's a lot of what ifs with that. Lots uh, of what ifs. This entire season has a lot of what ifs. Yeah, but in the end, what happened? Michigan State made the playoff, get smoked by Alabama. But hey, they made a playoff and they can hang their hats on that. Here's, that is, here's a good what if. One, what one if? underrated thing with can I say one underrated thing about Michigan State making a playoff and getting beat up? A lot of people might not remember that they got beat up because when you're on a recruiting trip, you can say we are one of a, like a handful of teams to say we've made it to the college football playoff and a recruit will be like, wow, they did go to the playoff. Think about this though, like 10 years from now, that's not going to be as good of a pitch because it will have been around for 15 years. Yeah, good point. But yeah, as of now, that's but you can even still say at worst it'll be like there have been fifteen teams who made the college football playoff, and Michigan State is one of them. Because uh, really, it's going to be the same three teams pretty much every year. But I mean, then again, Florida State's made the playoff, and they're terrible in the last three years. Washington's made it. I mean, I don't know the exact number of teams who have made it. Yeah, but I don't know the exact number. But it can't be in the next decade or two it can't be more than 20 i don't think yeah 20 programs who have made the playoffs so michigan state getting to be able to say that they're one of those i think that will do a lot of good things for recruiting all right so let me let me throw this one at you five years from now which teams who have yet to make the playoff do you think will have made at least one playoff good question Ooh, uh kind of had to think about that but I'll give mine if you're not ready. I'm going to go ahead Wisconsin and say... Will. Wisconsin will make one. Ooh, I doubt that. I could see it, but actually, I, I wouldn't no. call with, it. With Ohio State it. and the Big Ten, I kind of don't like I that. I don't think a West game is going to make the playoff until Ohio State is 
knocked off of where they are I right now. If USC gets a real coach, I agree. I see good things in USC. USC gets a real coach. If USC gets a real coach, I'm saying USC. Got Florida. Maybe Texas. Florida. I can, yeah, I can see Florida. Texas. Texas seems like they just kind of choke every opportunity. But if Texas does if sneak Texas their way into a playoff, gets, they'll win it. I mean, Texas could have done game. it two years ago. Texas could have done it two years ago. They could have, and they sucked it up, and they missed it. Lost to Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, let's see. Here's I think it, there's, there's a possibility Michigan could. No, I don't think chance. it's likely. I think it's quite unlikely. But I think I think if they can if they can beat Ohio State, they can. Yeah, but same with Penn State. Like Canada. Penn see, State or... I've heard people say Penn State. I don't see Penn State making. Even if they beat Ohio State, I think there's always going to be something that holds them back. I feel like no, I, don't, that's, I don't see it happening. You know, good point. That's the same thing I feel about Auburn because I think Auburn can beat Alabama. They mm-hmm. they do it every couple of years, but they're going to lose a game here or there to LSU or Texas A&M or whoever. Here's my Reed Murray hot take of the day. Within six years, the North Carolina Tar Heels will have made one playoff. Wow. In the next six years. I know they've, they've got a lot of momentum, so. I don't think they're going to make we'll, it next we'll year, see. but maybe two, three years down the line, I Sam can see Howell it happening. Sam Howell senior year, maybe. Maybe Sam Howell Sam Howell probably year. won't stay for a senior year. I think he's going to he, I think he's gonna yeah, leave after point. junior year. He's going to be – he'll be a first-round pick, but – but even then, that's a good question, Reed. I might might ponder that a little further. And uh, my last what if of the show. day: What if Iowa actually somehow doesn't get smacked by Stanford and wins the Rose Bowl? How annoying do we think Iowa fans are going to be about this win? Do they still talk about it to this day? Yes. Oh, hundred percent. They would say that this game was. They would find some play in there to say that it was rigged, or they would say if George Kittle catches that pass. By the way, if George Kittle catches that pass, yeah, Iowa wins this game. But we, we've talked about that. Uh, no, Iowa fans would, would dwell on that even more than they already do. Oh, and, they, and I think they already are, you know, pretty upset about this loss. I mean, they've got every reason in the world to be. But uh, this they would be even more miserable. Or if Michigan State – maybe if Michigan State won, they would be like, we could have won that if they, if they beat Alabama, which they would have been like, yeah, Iowa, we would have won that too. Yeah. Or, no, if Michigan State lost close one – to Alabama, Iowa fans would have said we would have beaten Alabama. I can see that definitely happening. Yeah. But uh, unless you've got something else to say, I think that'll do it for our show today. Yeah. I'm, I've am i said all i got to say. It's been a good episode. It's definitely an interesting topic to cover. Yeah, certainly a, a very crazy season. A lot of fun and interesting things uh, went on during 2015-16, but uh, that'll do it for today's episode of the First and Ten, First and Ten Classics, Iowa, Michigan State, 2015. Thank you for listening. You can follow us on Twitter at First and One G, on Instagram at the First and Ten, spell it all out. Uh, go listen to our other shows, Our Jam Podcast, and Naptown Rundown. My name is Patrick for Reed. Thanks for listening. Have a good one. Bye.